Welcome all. Welcome to worship on this, the 21st day of March, 2021, from the Sanctuary of the First Presbyterian Church of Quincy. I'm grateful for your participation in whatever way you feel most safe, uh, either here, uh, online, our Facebook page or our website, or in person at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings on the soccer fields. Uh, this week, we have a special treat, uh, Mary Mack, is being baptized, a little baby of Ivy and Bill Hackney, and we are just thrilled about that. So that'll be taking place on the soccer field. Uh, but if this is the way that you can worship, uh, God bless you, and this is the way that it will be. And we will depend upon and rely upon the Holy Spirit to connect us as the Spirit always does, that we'd be together, even though we are separated by some distance. Uh, friends, it is the season of Lent, and I turn it over to my friend Lisa Wilder as she now uh, extinguishes another uh, candle on the Lenten cross and shares a Lenten lesson with us this morning. Lisa? Today we celebrate the fifth Sunday of Lent, and today I will be reading from Hebrews 5, 5 through 10. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming the, a high priest, but God said to him, you are my son, today I have become your father. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, and was designed by God to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. As we extinguish the fifth Lenten candle, we are reminded that Christ is the great high priest chosen by God. Through his suffering, he learned to obey God and his eternal salvation is for us as well if we obey. Let us pray. O oh God, help us realize that the only true good we can do in this world is by obeying you by being obedient to the perfect high priest, Jesus Christ, we know that you promise us eternal salvation. We give you praise, amen. Thank you, Lisa, so much. Uh, and thank you to the Christian Ed Committee for those Lenten lessons as we head through the season and we approach Palm Sunday, Holy Week, which begins next week, and Easter at the end of that most eventful week on the Christian calendar. We do have some announcements to share with you this morning. First, as always, I ask that you remember those on our prayer list in your daily prayers. I remind you that coming up this Saturday, we've got two things going on. One, we have a ramp build in Gretna. So if you uh, would like to help, you don't have to be a skilled carpenter. You just have to be willing 
to do some work. Uh, it's gonna be from about eight o'clock in the morning till one or two o'clock midday. Uh, you can call Jack Schmidtman or call the office and let us know that you can help. I think he's just got a few volunteers at this point and he'd really like to have eight. So we've got some room and we need some help. So please call the office and let them know uh, if you're willing to sling a hand or hammer and saw some boards and put together a ramp so someone might have access to their home. Also, we have a shoe spring fling on Saturday morning, starting at 10 and going till about midday, about noon. Uh, we have an overabundance of shoes in the clothes closet. So we're gonna place them out on the yard in front of the uh, food bank building, clothes closet building, and we're gonna offer them to our neighbors. So the spring shoe fling on Saturday morning, starting at 10. And as I just mentioned, next week is the beginning of Holy Week. It is Palm Sunday, Jesus's triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And on that day, we're going to welcome the communicants class into the congregation as new members. These folks have uh, worked hard. These kids have worked hard. Uh, they've had to survive COVID uh, obstacles throughout their time. They would have joined last year but we were apart and they've kind of held on and held on and kept going and kept going and thanks to alice malone for the, being their leader and thanks to these kids these communicants for keeping at it and staying with it and joining the church with us on palm sunday morning as always i do uh, thank you for your tithes your pledges your gifts your offerings that help us to continue on uh, doing all the things we do for our community and for each other through this church this ministry of god thank you so much for your faithfulness and now friends again welcome and uh, thanks to scott and Tamara and to Chris Phelan for getting together music for us this week, to Nicole and Cameron. Thanks to all who make these services possible and who uh, set up and make this, the services out on the field possible as well. It takes a lot of hands, a lot of people helping, and it is certainly appreciated. So with those thanks being shared, church family, friends, and neighbors, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let us pray. Lord of the lost, we are quick to judge and slow to accept those whom we consider lower than ourselves. But you show us the way of acceptance, forgiveness, and peace. We honor your name for teaching us to love each other for your sake and for our sake too. Teach us how to turn from racism, hyper-nationalism, misogyny, classism, greed, and all those things which separate us one from the other. Give us the strength and fortitude to speak against evil and to dismantle it wherever it has built a foundation. Be with our Asian American brothers and sisters as they mourn this week, as we all mourn this week, as they live in fear and we live in fear for them after the horrific events in Atlanta a few days ago. Lord, help us to see our neighbors as you do. Transform us so that we will know our neighbors as you do. 
as worthy of the same love, dignity, and respect that we would hope to receive ourselves. Good Father, inspire in us loving and generous hearts that we would understand your call to share your love and grace and to share our time and treasure. Lord, through your goodness, help us to be instruments of healing in your world and this community. Grant us the desire, the ability, and the strength to always act in good faith, to see beyond what divides us, and to always seek the good in each other. We pray that you'd share your wise and good guidance with world, national, state, and local leaders who have the power to change lives through their words and their actions. And we pray your protection for those who serve honorably to protect others and to push back on those who would do evil. And all this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who in addition to everything else, also taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, our first piece of special music today is Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us, Nicole, sharing her talents with us in worship today. thanked Nicole and Cameron for the music today. My mistake, I thank Nicole and Evan for music today. So thanks to both of you so very much. The lessons that we have today uh, are two. Uh, the first is from the 84th Psalm, verses one through four, and then 10 through 12. And then the second is again from the gospel according to Luke. 
First, let's read from the book of Psalms. It is a, uh, a declaration of hope, and it is uh, an explanation of what it might be like in the Lord's courts in heaven. From the 84th Psalm, verses 1 through 4 and 10 through 12. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs indeed it faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than live in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield who bestows favor and honor. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, happy is everyone who trusts in you. The word of God for the people of God. Our second lesson today is from Luke chapter 18. We start with the 31st verse and then we continue through the 19th chapter and the 10th verse. This passage is in three parts. It comes after much traveling and teaching. The first part Jesus explains, shows to the disciples what is to come. In the second, there is a man who is blind, who requests that he be healed. And in the third part is an interaction Jesus has with someone whom I wonder if they ever felt really seen before Jesus comes to Jericho. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked and insulted and spat upon. After they have flogged him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise again. But the disciples understood nothing about all these things. In fact, what he said was hidden from them and they did not grasp what was said. As he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening, and they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Then he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who were in front sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he shouted out even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me see again. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it praised God. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. 
A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half my possessions, Lord, I will give them to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. The Word of God for the people of God. As I mentioned, there is a lot in this passage. This passage is about blindness, sometimes what I would call willful blindness, sight restored and being seen. Um, my grandfather, Otto Greiner, I get my middle name from Otto, was a, uh, an artisan of sorts. He was a glass blower. And the way he made his living is he made glass eyes. I'm hoping you can see those. He made glass eyes. This was in the 30s and 40s. Um, he passed away in the early 50s, but he made eyes for folks who had lost their eyes. He couldn't restore sight, but he could help those who'd lost their sight in traumatic ways to feel more normal, to be seen as more normal. In this passage, um, Jesus takes his disciples aside to tell them what will happen in Jerusalem. He pulls no punches. He lays it out for them in painfully clear language. The Christ will be disrespected, humiliated, tortured, and killed. But the disciples couldn't see the mostly finished mental picture Jesus had painted and put before them. It was as if their eyes had turned to glass. They weren't working. They couldn't see the picture, which meant that when Jesus showed them the completed work, the whole picture, which included the Easter triumph, that on the third day, the Christ would be resurrected, they didn't see that either. The passage says the disciples couldn't see that they couldn't understand because the picture and its meaning was being hidden from them. I suppose that most would read that passage and assume that Jesus himself was hiding the picture and its meaning from the disciples, protecting them maybe from what they weren't ready to know. I don't think that's the only interpretation. Let me kind of chase a rabbit for a minute and then I 
think it'll make sense. I'll come back. I have a favorite college football team. Of course you all know. The South Carolina Gamecocks. And whenever they play in a big game, like against that orange abomination from the upstate, and my Gamecocks lose, I avoid the ESPN website for days. And that's because when I check on ESPN on my iPad, it always shows the game scores of my favorite teams in the top right-hand corner. And I just don't want to see it. The problem is that on the ESPN site, the scores of the last game my team played stay up in the top right-hand corner of the page until the next game is played. So if my team is not doing real well that year and there's no bowl game and we play that orange team from the upstate last, it means that there's that score from November <laughs> until September of the next year. It's the downside of playing that team which will not be named at the end of every season. So for a few days, I do my best to stay willfully blind to the truth that right now, that other South Carolina football team is a good bet better than my South Carolina football team. And after a while, I get over it and I accept that the worst has happened on the gridiron. And I remind myself that there's always another game, there's always next season, and I open my eyes and I look. I wonder if maybe the disciples not seeing, not understanding what Jesus was telling them wasn't about God hiding the truth, Jesus hiding the truth from them, but instead it was them avoiding the truth Jesus had shared with them. Maybe they were hiding the picture and its meaning from themselves through willful blindness. They couldn't see because they didn't want to. Kind of like many of us don't want to see the racism, violence, anger, prejudice, hurt, and suffering that is eating away at our country and in our communities. We don't want to see that stuff. So we blind ourselves to it. We look away which by the way is the very definition of privilege, when you can look away from that that upsets you and pretend like it's not there. And we argue sometimes that none of it is really as bad as those people say. Problem is that it is that bad and we all have a part in it. And we can't maintain willful blindness to it. We have to open our eyes if we truly are followers of Christ, then we gotta do something. Again, if we truly are followers of Christ. The next part of the passage today is Jesus restoring sight to a blind man, a blind man who won't stay quiet. He's blind and he doesn't like it. He's blind and he wants more in life. He's blind and yet he sees Jesus more clearly than those with sight. He sees Jesus as a healer, as a teacher, as a son of David, as Lord, as Messiah. And Jesus sees him and Jesus restores his sight. Jesus gives seeing eyes to a blind man. 
He doesn't replace holes in his eye sockets with glass eyes. He repairs, he heals, he regives, he gives sight, seeing eyes to that man. Just as Jesus offers seeing eyes to those who are willfully blind to the things that make them uncomfortable, that convict them of complicity, Jesus gives us the eyes. We need to open them to see. The final part of the story for today is my favorite part. It's part about a man seen only as rich, only as a tax collector, only as a sinner. That's how he's described. That and his physical stature. So who is Zacchaeus? What do we know about Zacchaeus? He's rich, collects taxes. If he's a tax collector, he must be a sinner and he's short. And you gotta believe that that's how everyone else saw him as well. Those were the four things. That's who Zacchaeus is. That's all that Zacchaeus is. And yet Jesus sees more. Jesus sees Zacchaeus as a child of God, as a sibling, as worthy of time and friendship, worthy of grace and love. Have you ever been in a room with lots and lots of people and felt that you just didn't belong? Or in a situation where you felt you were in over your head? Have you ever been in a situation like that and then someone sees you really sees you. They see you and they ask about you with genuine interest. They make you feel less alone and more welcome. They help you feel like you might actually belong. All because that person took the time and made the effort to see you. Because of that, the entire room is changed. The situation has changed. You feel more at ease. Ever? I think that when Jesus calls out to Zacchaeus and says, I'm coming to your house, it's the first time in his life Zacchaeus truly feels he's being seen. The first time he feels that someone cares, that someone knows him beyond just those four things that scripture describes him as. And Zacchaeus' response is to embrace that newfound hope and to be a better version of himself, to be motivated by the hope that he has found in Jesus, to make up for the bad he'd done, to share what he has, to live as if he'd been lost and was found, to live as if Jesus really saw him, because Jesus did and does, just as Jesus sees us. And Jesus calls on us to be like Zacchaeus, to open our eyes to all that is around us, to see all God's children as our siblings, to really see them, and to celebrate our being seen by the Lord by becoming better versions of ourselves, so that this world that is our home, this community that is our own, becomes more and more like the courts of heaven, as described by the psalmist. A place where there is no racism, there is no hypernationalism, there is no misogyny, classism, 
or greed or any of those other things that poison our world and divide us one from the other. A place instead where love is shared, respect is shared, and both grow. A place where grace, a place where hope abounds. In the name of the good Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thanks be to God for the blessings of this family of faith. Thanks be to God and amen. We continue now with worship through the gift of music. O God, in whom all life begins, sung for us by Evan. So very much. Friends, now so that our hearts, minds, and souls and beings might be reminded of how God sees us through the eyes of Jesus Christ and how we might be able to open our eyes to see others, not through inanimate glass type eyes but through eyes that are our gift from God, eyes that actually see through the heart that we might see all the way Christ sees them, that we might be bound together through that gift so that we might do all that, so that all that might happen. Receive now, my friends, the blessing of God a blessing of God's strength to do what is right, Christ's grace to share, and the encouragement that is ours through the Holy Spirit to live our best and as our best in each and every moment, today, tomorrow, and forevermore. This blessing is yours. This blessing is mine. This blessing is for all. Thanks be to God, and amen.
See you next week. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love, the fellowship.